Welcome to the Educational Leadership Series, Lead Change in Education, where your co-hosts, Adam Drummond and Mark McAmoyle, talk with educational leaders across the country in ways that they're boosting student academic achievement and building collective teacher efficacy. Each episode is especially designed to examine the ways that you can be instructional change agents in your schools as you work to reform culture, instructional planning, learner engagement, and community advocacy in your schools or in your districts. Take the ideas from our guests and work to apply them in your schools so that you can be instructional change agents too. Good afternoon and welcome back to another exciting podcast where we talk with school leaders who are working to make change in each of their schools and in their districts. We are joined today with Robert Scott, who is superintendent of Avon Lake City Schools. Welcome, Robert. Uh, Thank you for having me, Adam. And Mark also, who will be on, I know, shortly. Hello, Robert. Great Great for you to join us. So why don't you start by telling us just maybe a little bit about the, the district that you work in and a, a little bit about your experience. Um, Avon Lake City Schools is a school district of about 4,000 students. Uh, our high school is about 1,300. We are on the west side of Cleveland, Ohio. And as the name uh, indicates, it's Avon Lake. And we actually sit right on Lake Erie. Uh, I can look out my window and I can, I can see the lake. Uh, so it's a very, very pleasant area, uh, definitely a suburban school district, um, uh, a high achieving school district. Uh, and, you know, we work very hard with our kids, you know, to prepare them for the next step after they get through our school system. Well, Bob, uh, I kind of know your area, even though I, I grew up on the other side of Lake Erie. <laughs> Spent a lot of great time there growing up fond memories, even though I'm in Minnesota now. So it's kind of nice to think about that area again. Um, listen, you're going to join us today talking about teacher leadership. And uh, it's so wonderful to hear a superintendent uh, play such high value on that. Um, empowering teacher voice. I'm assuming that's what we're going to be talking about and involving them um, as stakeholders in decision making. And we're just excited to hear about how you do that from your role and how you encourage um, maybe your principal your uh, your building leader uh, level leadership to uh, to support that culture as well. And you know, and, and that's actually sort of a perfect segue into it because this this really has to come from all different areas. And and you know, we learned a long time ago, and really where we started Avon started in Avon Lake uh, was actually a very very bad professional development experience for us. Uh, when I first got here, it was a fairly traditional kind of, of PD for teachers where, you know, they brought in outside people and they sat everybody in a big room and PowerPoints went up and here you need to do this and here's this newest thing. And everybody sat there for four hours and then everybody went back to their schools and classrooms. Uh, and, you know, my piece and, and sort of my personality has always been when we're going to do these things, we're going to do surveys and really see what the teachers think about what actually happened. And this was one of my first experiences in the district, and the surveys came back from the teachers, and of course, they were horrendous. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, boring, didn't have anything to do with what I'm doing in the classroom every day, you know, wasting my time, could have been doing this. Uh, and it really, the administrative team, the principals, and my central office staff, it made us sort of sit back and say, you know, time is too valuable. 
you know, we need to find something here and figure out something so that, that our staff is, is using their time and energies in, in order to teach kids and make kids as successful as possible. And that really started us along that path of, of let's get away from the central office stuff. Let's get away from this top down stuff and let's start in the classroom and work out from there on, on figuring out how we're going to teach kids and how we want to look at learning of our students and success for all. So what a great feeling for teachers to, to hear that type of leadership and that type of message come from you. I imagine there were people around you that that was even a shift. Um, so for, for those people not to maybe take that too personally themselves, because they may have been the providers of some of that traditional PD. Um, tell, tell us about that journey, about that shift and, 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 and what you needed to keep in mind. Um, you know, the first thing is that we had to keep in mind and was that, that you know, you know, our greatest resource are those staff members. And if we started to look at them closely, they're also our experts. Um, you know, we're very, very blessed to have a, a very well-educated, very bright staff. And our first step in this was going out and looking at them. Uh, and it was sort of bizarre because, of course, you have to be timely. At that time, it was right when interactive whiteboards really became, you know, the thing to have in your classroom. Uh, so our first piece, of the, first piece of this journey was going out and actually asking teachers who wants to become an expert in how we use our interactive whiteboards in the classroom. And, you know, we had a number of teachers that stepped up and, and raised their hands, and we started by training them. And, you know, that small catalyst at the beginning really started our piece to where today uh, – we do academies and we still do professional development throughout, you know, the district and, and most of it is embedded during our day, but 75 to 80% of our training for teachers is done by our own teachers. And it's done, you know, during conference times and, and during the day before and after school. But again, it was that piece of, you know, they, they learn best when it's actually their peers that are telling them this is what we need to do and this is how we need to do it. Adam, you're in a lot of schools across the country. Uh, you, you find that that's a recipe for success in terms of, I don't even like the term buy-in, but just the relevancy of the professional learning. You see that, don't you? Well, Oh, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Go ahead, Bob. No, and, and I think that piece, you know, that relevancy, uh, you know, comes into play. Uh, you know, our, our, our world, you know, from back when we started this and, you know, those initial pieces of it were 10 years ago. But everything just continues to spin faster and faster, you know, and, and we end up with more data and, and we end up how to do things faster and, and better. What we don't have is more time for the teachers and students. You know, that piece has, has stayed relatively the same and there's always only so much energy. So that decision making piece of, you know, not only what are we going to put in, but how are we going to do it? is key and it has to come from them because otherwise you know you're zigging and zagging around and you're you're you know two steps back one step forward and you're really inefficient and ineffective and it's not fair to anybody you know most of all it's not fair to the kids so so when you so, go ahead Adam. yeah i was just thinking you know as you think about empowering teachers in this professional learning area how did, what was the most challenging part in getting teachers on board with being the, the voice of expertise? 
You know, I think, I think the most, you know, and, and this is almost going back to the end, that question that you're going to ask at the very end, the, the most challenging piece of, it, piece of it was building trust. Um, you know, I, I think, unfortunately, throughout the history of education, there have been starts and stops as far as, as looking at teachers and, and really valuing them, you know, and their input into any system. And I think a lot of times, especially some of our, our more mature teachers, you know, it's sort of that, yeah, we've heard that before. You know, yeah, you said you wanted our input. Yeah, you wanted an idea of doing this. And in the end, they put a lot of work in and very little comes from it. So really that piece of building the trust so that they could see that, you know, yeah, this is this is the real deal. You know, this this is a culture changer for us. You know, we want to put something in place that is sustainable over time and, and grows and improves and, and get out of that mode of, you know, we start, we stop, we go back, we retrain, we do it again. You know, we're spending time learning how to do something rather than how to do what we're doing better. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So did you take, were the teachers involved in some of the strategic planning to create some ownership around the fact that this was not a kind of one and done splash, but they were connected to work that was going to stay around for a while. You know, and, and those are those pieces again, that, that are, some of them were very concrete. Um, you know, like a lot of places we had sort of really erratic schedule. We've got four elementary schools that are all small, they're neighborhood schools, um, you know, very effective for us, you know, very friendly places. You know, everybody knows everybody. So up through fourth grade, you're, you're not going far from your home. Um, and, and when we started, we didn't even have common planning times for teachers on grade levels. Uh, cool. You know, they just sort of did schedules and here was art and here was PE. You know, so we really went to the teachers and said, what's going to help you? You know, and when they started coming out saying, well, you know, we never get to meet. You know, we, we don't get to talk to each other. You know, we don't get to work together because my planning time is first period and, and theirs is fourth. So we really started with some of those very basic pieces and went right to the teachers and said, how's, how's this going to, what can we do to help make this happen? So if you look at us now, we've got two planning periods every day for every teacher in the district. We have common planning times, uh, K to six. We do academic teaming up through eighth grade. You know, we have got structural pieces in place that allow them to work together and do the work that we want them to do as teacher leaders. Yeah, that, that we're engaged in similar work right now, um, Bob, with regards to you just have to create those structures and have them aligned with what your goals are. Mm -hmm. um, because you can't, you can't have an unfunded mandate, so to speak, internally in your system <laughs> if you want to achieve your goals. That's exactly right. Exactly right. And, and, you know, through time, that that piece, um, you know, and again, each I think each school district that as you're looking at it, you know, has, you know, their structure in place and, and can move forward. You know, we've been very, very blessed that, that we're, you know, we've been successful academically and, and we're we're not necessarily having to, to trash everything and start over because of. Uh, of things that aren't going on learning wise with the kids. You know, it's about how do we get better? Um, you know, we've, we've been excited because as those things came into place, then we could actually talk and had a culture in place of, all right, you know, we, we need to improve in these areas 
curriculum wise, instructional wise, alignment wise, you know, you know, uh, our emphasis seven or eight years ago are, you know, this is a K to 12 system. We need to align ourselves and whether it's content or instructional practices, let's do that. And again, going away from that old concept of, you know, sit and get, let's bring the teachers in, let's talk about it. Uh, you know, we were able to get a grant and really look at teacher leaders to where now we've got uh, curriculum coaches at all of our different grade levels. And we've got curriculum facilitators at the high school that work with teachers during the day. Wow, that's great. So as you as you think about all of this work that you have put in place, what have, how have you empowered your school level leaders, right? Um, because this is as it directly impacts teachers. How do you make sure that your school leaders are part of that solution? You know, and, and uh, you know, it's interesting because you you've got to make them. You talked about the ownership piece, and the guide for us is our principals at the school level. You know, they really have to be the academic leaders. You know, they're. Our expectations are, you know, you manage your campus. That's a part of your job. But, you know, making your teachers successful is the most important part of your job. And you're a resource for them. You know, you need to be able to work with them. Uh, you know, all of my administrators actually today just took the test and became level one Google certified. Uh, because oh, we're a, you know, we're, we use Chromebooks from second grade up and, and, you know, they've got to be able to walk the walk with their staff and using those Chromebooks every day in instruction. That's powerful. When they become those lead learners and the credibility they get with staff, um, it's it's really important, isn't it? It's very visible. It is. And, and those research pieces that you talk about, you know, sort of that upper level with, with kids is, you know, you, you've really reached, you know, one of those upper level goals when the kids are taking responsibility for their own learning, you know, they're really higher level thinking, but they're taking that responsibility. That's not any different for your teachers and principals, you know, when they're really working together and nobody's having to dictate to them, Oh, well, we need to do this, but they're sitting there working as a group and they've got their instructional coaches with them. We've got We've got technology coaches that are with them, curriculum facilitators who are all teachers. You know, there, there's that trust issue of there, there's nobody who's observing you. This has nothing to do with an evaluation or anything else. This is us improving us to do better with kids. And they decide that path forward. And they, not just for them, but that connection to teachers that are teaching in grade levels, you know, before them and after them so that we have that continuity, again, pre-K to 12. Mm-hmm. Adam, I'm curious about another thing. You okay if I ask another yeah, question here? Yeah, please do. I'm, Bob, I'm intrigued. Bob, Bob, I'm really I'm impressed because it sounds like you've got an intimacy with your building principles and you, you've got great alignment. You're in constant communication. Um, I'm interested in a little bit picking at this topic of, you know, teacher, teacher-centered teacher is really important and putting the teacher in the role of expert. Mm-hmm. I don't think any teacher would push back on that. They would um, embrace it. Um 
And then when you get into that second step of saying, okay, what does that teacher's leadership look like? So when they're getting out in front of their peers and maybe they didn't sign up for administration, for example, and they didn't visualize necessarily leading in front of their peers, can you speak a little bit about like at the building level, what kind of work has to be done with teachers like that uh, to encourage them? Uh, is it a cultural piece? Can you talk a little bit about that reluctance maybe to step out in front of peers and how that's a necessary hurdle to get over in order to really have a distributive leadership model? You know, and, and that's a huge hurdle to get over. Um, you know, part of the part of it, and I'm going to sort of go over to that to the hardest part is, you know, that particular group that is is reticent as far as the responsibility piece goes, you know, and, and there's. You know, for, you know, for us, and I know this, this might be heresy for somebody, but for us, it's not. It is, you know, we started out a lot of this, and especially with with the end results, you know, we care a little bit like our, with our, our state standardized testing that goes for accountability and report cards in Ohio. A lot of people have those things, but we really don't care much, to tell you the truth. Uh you know, we, we work with our teachers and sort of put that piece in place that we want to do what's right for all of our kids. And we're building kids from kindergarten to 12th grade. We've got goals, you know, we've got objectives for them. And, and we have, you know, pieces in place of where we want to be. We want to take care of the state standardized testing, but we want you as a teacher to make sure that you're doing what's right for that child first. So, we keep building that thing in place with all of our teachers that, that as far as, as, you know, what is that responsibility? Well, that responsibility is not about a standardized test. It's about teaching our kids and making our kids successful and making them good citizens and making them mentally and physically healthy as they move forward. So that is sort of an example of how we start building with everybody and mm -hmm. and whether it's that person that might not want to lead a hundred person in service, but they're more than willing to sit there with their with their eight peers in their grade level and, and bring up those ideas and mm -hmm. and for us be collegial, you know, be willing to put their hand up and say, "Hey, have you thought of this?" Yeah, that's really great. I mean, there's tons there to unpack, but I, I think. You know, we could talk for another hour. Oh, <laughs> Just oh. such great information easily, right? <laughs> um, but I, I really, what I feel, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you've created a, a culture of success for your teachers and for your leaders and for your students. And if you could first say yes, that's, or no, that that's, you know, you're off the mark there. But then tell me why that's so important to you. Well, you know, I think, you know, and, and you're exactly right. When we first started talking about that, a couple of things that you had in place, you know, was it culture? Was it instructional planning? Was it learner engagement? You know, the piece that we deal with is, is you know, is with this, especially this teacher leader piece, really for us fit into that culture piece and instructional planning piece. And, and you know, making sure that, that at the very beginning, it was using our time wisely. And, and making sure that we were focused on the needs of the kids. But that culture has allowed us to go so much further now. And that's the hardest part of it because none of this, you know, people come in and watch us all the time. And we have people come in and watch our math classes and they're going, you know, we want to do that. 
And it's like, well, it's going to take you three or four years to get there because that's how long it took us to get here. Because that culture piece, and as you take those pieces, looking at your instructional practices and planning and looking at best practices, incorporating them correctly, you know, with all of your teachers across the board, it takes time. And, you know, it's never going to be perfect, but if you give it time and you've got those teachers looking at it, it's going to end up working. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time here today. I think that our listeners really um, were able to gather some important pieces, not only around culture, but the importance of planning and intentionality. And would love for you to continue to connect with um, Superintendent Scott. So uh, our information and his information will be listed in the description of this podcast so that you can continue to stay connected with Bob. And Bob, thank you so much for the, the time here today and your insight into what it means to be a change agent for your district. Well, thank you for having me. And, and you know, I, I hope it comes through, but, you know, it's, you know, our kids and, and our future and what goes on in the classroom is a passion of mine. And, and I don't know of anything that's more important. And for me, it's, you know, the most important part of that is, is you, know, where the, you know, where the rubber hits the road, where that teacher every day makes contact with those kids is the most important part of our job. Absolutely. Bob, it's clear, it's clear that you see your, your direct, uh, the, the impact of your work, um, on that reality. It's, it's been an honor to talk with you. Thanks for all your great work. Well, thank you much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for joining another exciting episode of Lead Change in Education, where we talk with educational leaders just like you and how they're boosting student achievement and building collective teacher efficacy. Tune in to our weekly podcast by joining and subscribing to the podcast platform that works best for you. You can also follow Adam at Adam D. Drummond or Mark at MWHS Principal on Twitter. You can also find us on LinkedIn and you can use the hashtag LeadChangeEd to stay up to date on all of the exciting things that are happening in education related to our podcast as well as the work that we do each and every day. Until next time, be the change you wish to lead in your schools.